You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You don't go in with with a with a dead fish. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. You know, we're talking about well, we got to work from home. We got to do this. You know, our coaches are working their tail ends off, but they also get to work their tail ends off from home. How often do we get a chance? to rally around our families, be around our families in these certain times, and really just be there for each other and not have an end date of when that's going to happen. Uh, these are times we should value. Uh, we shouldn't be looking at this as a time of disrupting our day-to-day activity. Uh, yes, they're breaking very hard and challenging times, but look at it from a perspective of what really matters, your family, our people, humans, the relationships we have. Value those. Welcome into the show. Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app and video streaming on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And we've got a packed show today. We're going to catch up with Hi, Twins. Everybody. Hey, Rami from the other studio. How's it going? Good, man. Good. But we're going to start the show off. we got Dick Bramer, Twins play-by-play voice on his new book at 4.30. Doogie with some scoops for us at 5 o'clock. But we've been sitting here trying to write out this coronavirus pandemic and... We miss live sports. On this show, we're just trying to entertain you guys, the listeners, as much as possible to give it, give you a little reprieve from the daily news cycle. And we're hoping that our next guest can bring a little optimism and enthusiasm to the table. P.J. Fleck. Football. P.J. Fleck, to start off the show, how are you? How is your family? And how are you guys holding up through all this? Hey, great to be on the show. Appreciate the uh, opportunity. Uh, we're doing elite, you know. Uh, we're doing like what everybody else is doing, man. We're self-quarantining ourselves, sitting in the house, and and uh, really connecting with each other, and, and obviously working from home. And uh, I, th- I feel like I'm doing more work at home than I actually did in the office, which is, which is amazing. <laughs> but uh, I feel like our staff feels the same way. But we're just um, we're thankful to be safe and healthy and, and uh, around our families. I would imagine a guy like P.J. Fleck, uh, a quarantine or a self-isolation would be tough for you because you got – to use a sports term, a high motor. What are you doing to, to burn the calories and, and get the motor going when you can't really leave the house? Well, I, the, the, the number one thing we did was Heather went out and got a dog. Oh, so great. Now we have a two-and-a-half-pound multi-poo that we've been working the last four days of, of getting potty trained. So <laughs> when you have nothing to do, get a dog. I mean, she'll take care of all your time, and that's what we've done. How, how tough is the potty training part then to get this done immediately? I tell you what, I, we, we have a dog that's too good to be true, uh, truly, right? So she has not peed or pooed in the house. Wow. She has, of course, we have every 20 minutes we're taking her out because we're both home, right? That's more than and, Judd Zolgad uh, can say about the last week, by the way. <laughs> or my dog. <laughs> Which is amazing. Can you come to my house unquarantined and help, help me with Stella, the little dog I've got? <laughs> but she slept in her cage last night, or two last two nights, and she has not pooed or peed in her cage. She slept for eight hours. I mean, our dog's unique. It's too good to be true. We're waiting for this thing to wear off or somehow, some way. But, uh, but the potty training takes up most of the time. That's good coaching right there, PJ. Uh, so yeah, exactly. So, so what are you <laughs> doing? Changing her best. 
Exactly. So what what are you doing about the players, though, too? Because, I mean, these are young men, and I don't want to say they're probably scared, but they are young, and it's a confusing time. What do you do to best stay in touch with your players, who I'm sure you feel a responsibility for that goes well beyond just being their football coach? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, our assistant coaches deserve a lot of credit. I mean, we're in contact with our players every single day. Uh, they have position meetings. We're allowed two hours of CARA. Uh, per week. So they have two position meetings that they have throughout the week. We have virtual voiceovers that we're using uh, that our players can look at optionally. We have team meetings that are getting sent to them. We're working on mental health speakers and other speakers who are getting sent to our players uh, at their own time to be able to watch, uh, to be able to continue to learn and grow. We have our team meetings. We've got our, our, our staff meetings still going on, our position meetings, our, our offensive defensive meetings, and again, creative recruiting meetings. So we're having a lot of virtual meetings, but the biggest thing is is we're con- in constant contact with our players, mentally, physically, and emotionally. We're checking every box every single day to make sure they're all okay, doing welfare checks, uh, and I think that's really important. Uh, we care about our players. Uh, Mark Cora, our athletic director, has done a great job of leading us, as well as Joan Gable, and uh, just really happy to have incredible people around us uh, during this time of need. P.J. Fleck with us here, Gopher Football Head Coach. Uh, Mackie and Jeb with Rami to, to start the show off here. And I think one, one thing that people really appreciate about your style and about you as a person and as a coach is you take moments of adversity and flip them sort of inside out and get people, whether it's family or, or kids that you coach, you get them to to run through walls in those situations. And so what whether this whole thing lasts a few more weeks or a few more months, what do you hope people, what do you hope your team, and what do you hope people in general gain out of this coronavirus experience? Well, well, first of all, I think that, you know, Mother Nature, my wife told me this the other day, it made more sense than anything I've ever heard over the last year. Uh, and leave it up to Heather to tell me that. But she goes, I think Mother Nature is telling all of us to go to our room and really kind of think about what we've all done. Think about it for a second, right? Um, we started to attendance in NFL uh, NBA, college football has all taken a little bit of a dip, right? And everybody's like, well, you can get it from home. You can do it from your phone. You can do it from your iPad. You can get it all. But now all of a sudden we're complaining because we don't have live sports. We don't. We can't go to an event. We have to stay home. We've all forgotten what sports is all about. It's, it's those live events. It's being around everyone else, that, that, that socialization, that connection with people, and all rallying around something that's way bigger than ourselves collectively. We've taken all of that for granted. And I'm just talking that's in the sport field, let alone putting it to your family. I mean, how many times we, I go by without even, even seeing my wife or not talking to her uh, throughout the day. This is a time for all of us to really appreciate what we have, sports, not sports, our health, our family, our children, uh, the people that are really close to us, and to take a huge deep breath and really see what's really important in our life. And we had a team meeting this morning and not to get off on a, on a tangent, but it was a team meeting that Kevin Eastman writes in his book, and um, a book we're studying with our team right now. And talks about having intentions and being intentional. And it's so true because we all have intentions of doing something tomorrow or the next day, or I'll do that next time, or I'll do that next year. Well, this is forcing people who really want what they say they want to be intentional. If you really want it, you're going to have to find a way to work out from home. You're going to have to find a way to make it all work. You're going to have to find a way to do your academics, your position meetings. You're going to have to find a way on your own to grow. All the resources will still be there, but now there's nobody watching you anymore. And so we've got to find a way to really be intentional and not just have intentions. And I think it was a perfect message for our team right now and, and probably a really good message for everybody out there. 
Coach Fleck, you you just mentioned working out from home and and staying in shape. That's got to be a concern of yours, just from a football coach standpoint. That that your players are doing everything that they can with with the limited resources and with the isolation that we're all in right now to be in football shape or close to football shape when when it's time to think about football again. What have you told them about that, and what's your conditioning staff doing about that? Well, first and foremost, you know, we have, we've always said that bad teams, nobody leads. Average teams, coaches lead. Elite teams, players lead. Uh, I feel so good about this team being a player-led team. So uh, maturity comes from when doing what you have to do becomes doing what you want to do. And I feel like this team is doing what they have to do, and they're doing it because they want to do it. So I trust our, our team completely. I trust the leaders on this football team to spread it. We can't make everything mandatory. Uh, but I know that our players are doing what they have to do, that when they do get back here, they're ahead of the game. We will not go backwards, and we don't want to do that. Our strength staff, Dan Nickel, who I think is the best in the country, uh, whether that's our nutrition or our strength plan, he's got multiple plans put in place and sent to our players every day, whether that is you can't leave your house. Well, there's multiple things around the house that you can use to work out, pots, pans, milk jugs, things like that. There's things you can use to be able to go through your run sits on defense, set up a bunch of trash cans, go out where trees are, uh, go do something where you have to simulate certain things. But Dan Nichols done a great job, whether you're working in home or whether you're working outside, or whether you're working in a strength or a conditioning a place that you can actually be in that's allowed to be in. We have we cover all of that, we feel. And uh, and we feel like we've done a good job of, of giving our players options. How do you work out with pots and pans? you got to tell me that one. Uh, I was an example, but you could you could fill them up with water and hold them out in front of you for shoulder workouts. <laughs> That's a good. I, mean, I agree with that one. Okay, you, yeah. you can do all That's types true. of things. You know, I listen. Mean, you, can, you can if they have the pots with the handles on the side, you can do a plank from that. Great um, idea. Or if you're Rami, Rami, Rami's going to do it. Rami, I think for you, you can actually fill the pots with just craft macaroni and cheese and hold them out, and then you have a reward at the end of the workout. I did that last night. Take a bite on the way up. Swallow it on the bite. I did that two nights ago, but I didn't lift them. I just lifted the macaroni and cheese out and stuck it in the bowl. And I'm going to tell you right now, PJ, it was a very good workout for my mouth and my mouth only. <laughs> So, PJ, we uh, every Monday on the show, and, and we're going to carry this over for you here before we say goodbye, we do a segment now, as of the last two weeks, called Quarantine Discovery. It's just things that we have discovered in our quarantined lives, whether it's uh, on TV or anywhere in our lives, that we want to bring to the table. So, like, for me, it was an episode of Extreme Cougar Wives on TLC, which we don't have to rehash from yesterday. But what are uh, what, what's one or two things that you have discovered? What are your quarantine discoveries these last ten days that you otherwise wouldn't have dove into besides the new uh the new four-legged addition to your family that you brought up well i can probably say this you know heather and i we don't get a lot of time at home just with ourselves and we never really get a chance to sit on the couch in the basement watch a movie i mean if we do we're watching with the kids and we're watching some kid movie right um however we got a chance the other night to watch a movie that i guess i picked she says i picked it because i did but it was called buried and it was with ryan reynolds and the whole movie takes place in a coffin. And uh, it, it is the creepiest, strangest, uncomfortable movie I think I've ever watched because one of my biggest fears is being buried alive. And, uh, and it was one of those movies that you stop by like, oh, I can't watch this. And then you, all you do is watch it for 90 more minutes. Uh, but that would be one that I discovered. And it was disturbing uh, beyond belief. And uh, we're not sure why we actually kept watching it, but we had to. 
uh, it was it was really unique. Adding that to my list right now. That does sound sort of disturbing, but uh... it was kind of like that movie. I think Open Water, where the people got left by the scuba diving crew in the middle of the ocean. That husband and wife, and it's one of those type movies. It, it is. Uh, it's all done in a coffee. It couldn't have cost much oh. money to make, and uh, but it was one of those movies that just. They make you keep watching. By the way, Ryan Reynolds, props to Ryan Reynolds for just being one of the most multifaceted actors of the last 20 years. You can go from National Lampoon's Van Wilder like 15 years ago <laughs> to a movie for two hours where you're just in a coffin, With apparently. Deadpool in between. Right. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, don't don't forget Elvin and the Chipmunks. You know, we got a lot of children. He's on the Elvin and the Chipmunks. Who could forget? Amazing. Who could forget? So, PJ, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, any any final thoughts for, for Gophers fans that might be listening and are, are just sort of missing out on spring practice and spring game? Any any final words for Gophers fans here? Uh, no, just everybody stay safe and just continue to follow uh, our local government and uh, the national government and what they're telling us to be able to get through this together. It's going to take everybody. This is, all, this is what teamwork's all about. And we all need to work together right now, and every single person – if they stay home, we can get through this a lot faster, and everybody can get back to a new normal. Whatever that new normal looks like, I just hope it's a better normal than what it was prior to that because it, it, there are no problems. There's only situations, and from situations create opportunity. And we have an opportunity to really be a better society, uh, even a better fan base uh, because of this, and really appreciate those things that maybe we took for granted. So take care of your family. Stay safe. Row the boat, Scotty Mago. Go first. Thanks for having us on, guys. Thanks, PJ. Appreciate it, man. That is PJ Fleck. Football. Football. Football head coach. I'm ready to rock on the show now. Yeah, I'm 15 ready minutes to of that. And give How me- did he get a dog that doesn't... That's good in the like house Like you said, that good quickly. coaching. The dog knows. The dog knows. That that he will be held accountable if he does if he doesn't act according to to the culture that Coach Fleck has set in that household. Clearly, I'm not a good dog coach. Just ask Stella, because I still don't have her controlled in the house. You know, I, I wanted to ask him before he hung up, but he's a he's a quick hanger upper man. When he's ready to go, he's he's ready to go. He's going to get out his Sky Umas, go Gophers, and row the boats and and hit the road. Ed Orgeron cut that PSA about washing your hands and self-isolation. <laughs> if anybody should be cutting a PSA that's going to make us all want to like run through a wall, in a sense, and by that I mean just stay in your damn house, it should be PJ Fleck, shouldn't it? I think he did. I just I, th- I think he did for Gophers social media. Jonathan, can you can you turn that into a PSA? Can you just take what Coach Fleck said there at the end and just turn it into a PSA exclusive to Score North? Yeah, no problem. Perfect. Get on that. Perfect. Yeah, I think he did, but Coach O's is just much more likely to go viral than PJ Flex well, is. The voice is so great. Because of his voice, o. right? I love true, that yeah. voice. Yeah. By the way, uh, PJ Fleck and Ed Ogeron aren't the only two people in college football, prominent faces in college football trying to do good. You got Coach O doing the, uh, doing the PSA, PJ Fleck coming on here, doing, doing media rounds over the past couple of weeks and spreading joy. And, and Trevor Lawrence, one of the great college football quarterbacks of our lifetimes. And his girlfriend setting up a GoFundMe page to raise money for people in need <laughs> yeah, it's great. during this crazy coronavirus period. Oh wait, what what's that? Oh, there's a voice uh voice in our ears. Oh, the NCAA uh they canceled that GoFundMe page because it apparently violates NCAA rules of some kind. Because that's but you can't you can't guys. raise money for people in need this, during a guys, during an inter, an international pandemic. I mean Think about all the ramifications if you let Trevor Lawrence do that. Just think about the ramifications. He might take that money for himself, too. You know what? Can't trust anybody. You know what? As as long as colleges insist on still being part of this corrupt, negligent, idiotic organization, I have no answers for him. 
I just I get say, out. Th- I say just thank God. For, I say thank God for the NCAA. I mean, they're protecting these kids from themselves. All right. Ima- imagine the message that you send if you let a star college football player do something good for society. Come on, guys. Then other young kids are going to want to go out there and do something good for a society, maybe even in a time of crisis where we all should be doing yep. everything that we can to, to, to you know, support each other and help each other and look out for each other. We don't want that. So, Tre- Come on. so Trevor Lawrence can make as much money as he possibly can for his school, and his school can maximize, along with the NCAA, the profits of Trevor Lawrence's athletic ability. But if he tries to help other people in a time of need outside of that scope, right? it's illegal. And thank God that the NCAA is there to enforce this and Dude. keep things in the way the way that they should be. Who's the one that has to make that phone call to Trevor Lawrence? You know, because it's not, it's not like That's Mark... That's an email. Mark, all... Mark Emmert's not picking up the phone in that spot, but somebody literally either emailed or called Trevor Lawrence and said, Hey, man, we can't have you using your platform to raise money for a great cause here. You're going to have to you shut that GoFundMe page down. We're fine. We are finding out, and we knew this, but now it's crystallizing because of the uh, serious predicament that we're in. We are f- finding out the amount of people who have no shame, and therefore, like you think to yourself, that'd be a tough phone call. They don't think that. They're like, I am enforcing the rules of the NCAA. I'm emboldened. They probably because have like automated recordings for every situation, including international yeah. health pandemic yeah. and prominent player raising money. We're sorry you are not allowed to raise money to save people who are suffering but from coronavirus. We're thinking of, of this like the NCAA would struggle and say, well, you can't do this. I'm sorry, Trevor. What we're finding out is there is a huge group of human beings who have no shame. And yeah. so they probably welcome the phone call. Like there should be situational awareness in, in, yes. in spots like this. It's, it's, it's no different than like situational officiating in games. Like maybe we don't call that ticky tack thing over here. Yes. You know, when there is this is the an fourth international quarter. crisis. This is the fourth quarter late in the game, okay? Yeah, let's uh, let's maybe let this one slide. If Trevor Lawrence can raise $100,000 or more for people in need, I think maybe we just maybe we just don't send that email. We just don't pick up the phone in that spot. Amen. So uh, thanks to PJ Fleck for joining us off, off the bat here. And like I said, we have a loaded show. Dick Bramer is going to join here in about uh, 10 minutes or so to talk about his new book, all about his time since 1983 in the Twins organization and uh, all of his play-by-play partners. And Doogie will bring us, ideally, some Vikings-related scoops at 5 o'clock today. Uh, Robbie Anderson yeah, off the board gone. now. You if, got, I love Doogie, but is there anything to scoop right now? Doogie usually has nuggets on, like, for instance, did the Vikings actually make a push for Robbie Anderson? We're okay. probably going to find that out from right. Doogie at 5 o'clock. Okay. Like, Doogie is very plugged into sort of what, conversations are and aren't happening during free agency. Robbie, there's always something to scoop. Okay. It might be very small, but there's something to scoop. That sounded like an old-timey news promo. What's that? There's always something to scoop. And if you're not scooping it, (laughs) you're not paying attention. (laughs) That's right. Uh, By the way, does this PJ Fleck movie recommendation do anything for you guys? Uh, Buried with Ryan Reynolds? I I can't I love movies like that. I can't. That feels way too uncomfortable. For Claustrophobic, me. or that's, yeah, that sounds no. that sounds like a film that a really rich star who's a pretty good actor does because he's done all these previous films to make money, and it probably didn't make much. But a guy like Ryan Reynolds probably enjoys doing a film like this more than the big blockbusters. That's my guess. 
Are you saying that Ryan Reynolds wasn't their first choice for this movie? No, I'm saying I'm saying that, that he could probably afford to do films like this that don't have a huge budget and aren't going to make much because got he's it. the first choice of a lot of blockbusters. Gotcha. So like he's got so much he he can break off and do every third film can just be a not a big budget film and he probably enjoys that the most because that actually applies your acting checks. I once heard Michael Caine say that his strategy in, in picking roles is he he alternates between a role that he'll take to pay the bills mm-hmm. and then take a role that he does for for the love of for the love of acting and for the passion of filmmaking. So he 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 alternates between the two. And not that the big money roles can't be solid roles and good movies and things that he enjoys and is passionate about, but he juggles between the two. He'll do a movie for passion and then a movie for money. Do you guys think action films are fun? To make? Yeah, like if you're the star in an action film and it's all obviously special effects and things, do you think that it's that as an actor or actress that that's a satisfying role or that it's just going to make a ton and so to what... Rami just said it makes you a ton, and so you, you can then turn around and take on a role that you enjoy next time. I mean, are you if you're asking if it is academically fulfilling as no, a high level? As no, artist, I'm saying probably but, not. Like, I'm saying, like when Harrison Ford, it's like a green screen, right? Like like you stand in front of a green screen and you fight people or have fake. I don't fights. know. Tom Cruise, like he does most of his stuff for real, including when he was hanging off the side of a plane in one of the Mission Impossible movies. He does really, yeah, he does all he his broke own his ankle stunts. in the last. Mission Impossible. Okay. He, yeah, he does all scene. that stuff for real. Same thing with Jackie Chan. Daniel Craig does a lot of that stuff in Bond movies. And apparently for this last one, he at one point like tore a ligament in his knee or something and is wearing a knee brace for like that they've somehow hid throughout parts of the movie. Hmm. But so okay. so as much as that might not James be James Bond is wearing hammer pants for the second half of the movie <laughs> to cover to hide the knee brace. Amazing. But like I think to answer Judd's question, okay, what I, you know, am I really showing off my actor chops? Probably not. But then I look at my bank account and I just made $20 million for my fifth James Bond movie. I'm like, I can probably get used also, to Also, I think some guys just wanted to be action heroes. I don't think, I don't think Dwayne The Rock Johnson True. got into this. Yeah, he's not an act, yeah. To be, you know, Different. to be a thespian. I think he just, he, <laughs> he likes being a big movie Who star. Who goes there? <laughs> he likes being a big movie star and making big blockbuster movies that make him money and get him recognized when he walks down the street. So when we come back here, gentlemen, let's talk action movies with Dick Bramer. Or we can talk twins. We can talk twins with our guy. I'm good with either Dick one. Bramer here. All right. <laughs> Dick has a new book out, and this is supposed to be opening week in Major League Baseball and for the twins, but that obviously isn't happening. But we will talk twins. We will get some stories here from TV Voice, longtime voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, on the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show here. 651-646-8255. If you want to tweet the show, it's at Phil Mackie, at Jay Zolgad, and at Rami is tweeting. Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. And it is time now for another mini episode of Open for Business here on Score North. These are unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota as well. And we're just looking to highlight some of the businesses that are still open, still operational, and still looking to serve people. And we're here now with Paul Borchert from the Canopy Group, which is a Minnesota-based insurance agency, business, home, auto, health, with three locations in Minnetonka, Belle Plaine, and Lesur. And Paul, tell our audience 
how the Canopy Group is getting through these unprecedented times here over the past 10 or 14 days or so. Well, thanks for having me. We are considered an essential employer, and so we have to stay open almost regardless of the situation. Um, But we are fortunate that we have some people that can work at home, and about a third of our group is working from home. And then the other two-thirds of our group are in our three locations, but that's given us a lot of room to spread out. So we're keeping our 6, 10, 12-foot distance, and luckily nobody at this point has has gotten ill yet. So, I mean, it's it's crazy that you look back two weeks ago, and, you know, we were mostly operating as normal here, and I think – the NBA hadn't even become the first league to shut down, and it, it, it just feels like the slowest two weeks ever in a lot of ways. So, you know, how, how has business changed in terms of the way you go about operating and the way you go about meeting just internally these last two weeks, and how quickly has it changed? Well, we have always been a fast-growing agency, so we put on a couple hundred new clients every month. And so we've limited our ability to have face-to-face meetings just so that everybody can be safe. But also, we're servicing, you know, 25, 30,000 uh, policyholders, and so therefore, they've got to be able to have access to everything. So our phone lines are open, and and we've got some pretty sophisticated client management software where we're getting companies and individuals auto ID cards. Uh, we're having a lot of claims, and so some of those claims are going through. You know, you got to stay on top of that. But more importantly, we're having a record number of people reaching out to us. I think they're at home. They don't have a lot going on, and they're thinking, geez, we've heard these ads for years, and there might be some advantage to getting some options with our insurance program. So, Paul, when it comes to business, home, auto health, the different categories of insurance, as, as people sort of try to wrap their heads and their arms around this current crisis, what are things that they maybe should be thinking about when it comes to insurance right now? Well, from an insurance standpoint, I mean, can you defer some of your premiums? Um, Are you adequately insured? Uh, Is there a way to save some money? But we go above and beyond that, and we're trying to get people to to encourage them to talk to their mortgage lender, their auto lender, their credit card companies, to see if indeed um, they can defer some of the payments that they have on some of these loans and debt that they currently have. So we've done a pretty good job, I think, of reaching out to all of our existing clients and trying to educate them as to how some of these deferral programs work so that they can get through this rough patch. And for people who maybe the light bulb is going on here as they as they hear this conversation, where can people find out more about the Canopy Group and the services that you provide? Go to thecanopygroup.com or call us at 800-967-3389. Awesome. And Paul, any just final words for people here as we as we tr- try to figure out life in these times? Yeah, hang in there. I mean, we don't know what the future is, just like everybody else, but um, our company will stand strong and we'll be there to service our group, and, and hopefully we all get this get through this together. Awesome. That is uh, that is Paul Borchard from the Canopy Group here, and it wraps another episode of Open for Business on Score North. Businesses are still open, still operational, and still looking to serve people. You can also find the Open for Business Minnesota podcast on PodMN, the PodMN app, and uh, and that's available anywhere you find podcasts to the uh, Open for Business Minnesota podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. We'll come back here, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, and we will shift our attention to the Minnesota Twins, who were supposed to start hitting Bombas this week, but they're not going to for several more weeks. It doesn't mean we can't talk to TV voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, about his new book and other things Minnesota Twins related when we come back here to the TCL studios, where we have a couple 55-inch TCL 4K 
Roku TVs in here. You're probably spending a lot more time at home these days. And if you're spending a lot more time at home or if you're a cord cutter like myself and you're just looking for more options to be entertained or you're, uh, you're, you're adding to your list of quarantine discoveries like we are every single week on this show, there's no better TV than a TCL TV. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand for a reason. In fact, if you just do a quick search on Google, just search TCL TV reviews, you're going to find all kinds of rave reviews from publications like CNET, PC Magazine, and USA Today's Wired. All kinds of credible publications are raving about the picture quality, the price, and the entertainment slash streaming options you get with TCL TVs. Again, we have TCL TVs all throughout the studios here at Score North, giving us plenty of things to entertain our faces and brains with during this quarantine season. TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North has partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to ensure our area children are receiving the meals they need during the coronavirus outbreak. Your contribution of any amount will, will enable the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis, including overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. Thanks to Luis Arais and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Luis Arise Minnesota Twins jersey to donate. Please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate over at scorenorth.com. Matthew Collar has an article about how the Vikings' strength of schedule changed during free agency, including now that they'll have to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Judd Zolged also has his thoughts on Mel Kuyper's Mock Draft 3.0, which we will also get to here coming up at about 5.15 here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Fastball driven to left field. Way back. And gone. We've got a tie game. And a big moment for Miguel Sano. A tape measure line drive with Cruz aboard. And the Dominicans form the Twins, put together a two-out rally here in the third. Well, this was supposed to be opening week for Major League Baseball and opening week for the Minnesota Twins to uh, launch their Bomba Crusade 2.0 on the rest of the league. But now we wait for an indefinite period of time. But that doesn't mean we can't talk Twins, gentlemen. Doesn't mean we can't talk to the longtime TV voice of the Minnesota Twins, a guy who's covered Twins baseball since 1983. He has a new book out, Dick Bramer. And we'll dive into the book. We want a couple of your favorite stories here, but uh, but like we talk about how this is such a weird week for players and for managers. How is it for how is it for a broadcaster that was supposed to be starting a six month run this week? Well, I heard the clip that was from the Dominican game, and that was just what a couple weeks ago. Not even that I got or two weeks ago Saturday, and it seems like it was about four years ago. Given how much everything has changed since then. Uh, it's a weird, weird time of the year. You know, ordinarily, not just me, but baseball fans are really getting ramped up for the start of the season. We were supposed to be in uh, San Francisco by now or Oakland to get ready to take on the Oakland A's on Thursday. And, yeah, this is uncharted waters. I don't think anybody really feels uh, comfortable with this on many levels. But for people who are, you know, itching in this part of the country to get a baseball season started, we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. They say they're exploring all options, Dick, including maybe starting the season playing in, in empty stadiums with no fans there to watch. How, how weird a feeling would that be for you from up in the booth watching baseball being played in, an, in a totally empty stadium? 
It would be really weird, but I, right now I'd take it, and I think Twins fans would take it, just to get the games going again. Uh, I remember, you know, after 9-11, uh, baseball played a big part of it, uh, the recovery just from the standpoint of, you know, telling people that we're starting to get back to normal, you know, and I, and I think we're all, whether you're a baseball fan or not, I think having the sporting events back uh, on the field or on the court, on the ice, whatever, would go a long way towards signaling to people that maybe we've bottomed out and we're ready to work our way out of this. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting time normally for baseball fans and we will get there. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Eventually I'm pretty confident that we're going to have an opening day this year. We just don't know when that is. What's your best guess, Dick? You think July, June, what, what's your gut tell you right now? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I think, Whenever it starts, again, I don't think anybody knows anything for sure right now, whether it's on the baseball side, sports side, you know, the medical side, whatever. This thing is changing just about every day. But let's say it's, let's say it's at the all-star break and maybe the, the, the season starts with the all-star game Mm -hmm. and then we go on from there. However long it takes to get things started when it starts, I would expect whether there are fans in the stands or not. I would expect we'll see a lot of doubleheaders. I don't know that we'll see any off days. Uh, I would expect within that that there would be expanded rosters to 30 or 35. Maybe all 40 guys uh, would uh, be uh, you know eligible to play to try to condense what was normally you know six months worth of games into you know four months or whatever. It's it's going to be a weird season, and the weirdness uh, is going to continue even after we start. I think. Dick, what's your uh, your personal opinion? The the minimum number of games that would have to be played during the course of the season to have a repres- a representative season for a champion. What do you think? One thirty, one hundred. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see as many as possible, obviously. Sure. But I think if you got inside of eighty one, if you were you know less than half the normal schedule, well then you know whether there would officially be an asterisk put by the season records and whoever ended up winning the world series. Well, yeah, then it looks a little sketchy, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can get at this point. Won't we? I mean, we're all uh, sports people here. We want to see the games going again and whenever it's deemed appropriate to start, um, you know, (laughs) I will have not done a baseball game for a long time. And I expect they're going to be, you know, double headers galore moving forward from when the season does finally get started. Yeah. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here on Score North. Dick Bramer is our guest. And the book that just came out earlier this month is called Game Used, My Life in Stitches with the Minnesota Twins. And it's a collection of stories and anecdotes, uh, just taking Twins fans behind the curtain. What 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 is your single favorite or or proudest moment in your career calling Twins baseball? Well, um, the biggest game I ever did was the final home game in 1987. Not many people realize this. This is when we do get started. This will be my 37th year doing Twins games on TV, but I haven't done one postseason inning because when, you know, it used to be that uh, when the Twins went to the World Series, for instance, uh, the first time in 1965, they took the local TV guys who happened to be, by the way, Ray Scott and Vin Scully, yeah. and put them on the national broadcast, but they don't do that anymore. So the the, the most significant game I guess I did uh, have done is the last home game in 87 when the Twins clinched a tie for the division title against Kansas City uh, at the Metrodome on a Sunday afternoon. 
What's the most surprised you've ever been by a moment in a baseball game while you were up on the booth that maybe even caught you off guard or on your heels in terms of how to call it in the moment? Well, I, you know, we we didn't know Scott Erickson was going to throw a no hitter. We didn't know David Wells was going to throw a perfect game. You know, some people ask me about milestone moments and you know whether you prepare what you're going to say. And you know, the short answer is no, you can't. You're you're doing a live event. You have to, as a play by play guy, you have to say what comes into your mind. But when they come spontaneously, like a no hitter, a perfect game. You know, you, you just, those always take people by surprise. And then we find out later that, you know, with, in David Wells's case, um, you know, he was, you know, lit up pretty good before he ever took them out on that, on that Sunday afternoon. And there's a story about that in the book, too, that I think, I hope fans will, will find interesting. We were finding, trying to find any way to, to get uh, people to watch our, our telecast back then. And that weekend, we had a three-game series. And Friday, we're just looking for a guest, hopefully finding Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, somebody. And we didn't find anybody. And we looked over into Steinbrenner's suite, and there Evander Holyfield was watching the game all by himself. We had somebody run over and say, hey, could you join the Twins telecast in the fourth inning? Love to do that. He came over. We had a nice chat on the air. And then we moved on to Saturday. Saturday, we look over. We can't find anybody on the field. We look over in Steinbrenner's suite again. And there's Walter Cronkite sitting all by himself. So we asked Mr. Cronkite, would you come over in the fourth inning? Sure, I'd love to. He comes over. Just one of the great thrills of my career, just you know, being on a broadcast with this legendary newsman. So Sunday, you know, again, we're no luck in the clubhouses. And so we look in Steinbrenner's booth, and there's Billy Crystal. So we send uh, a runner over there. Would you uh, like to join the Minnesota broadcast? Oh, I'd love to. Now, we know Billy Crystal to be a great baseball fan. And so we send somebody over in the fourth inning to retrieve him. And he says, well, hey, I'll be over there as soon as the Twins get a hit. Because right now the Yankee pitcher, David Wells, has a no-hitter. And I'm superstitious (laughs) enough to not move right now as long as he's got his no-hitter going. And, of course, the Twins never did get a hit. They never got a base runner. And, and if I ever run into Billy Crystal, I'm going to tell him that he owes us one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic story. How much work is a book, ultimately, Dick Bramer? Well, it was a lot of work. And as you guys know, I, I you know this is a bit of a contrast for me because I'm used to thinking of something, saying it out loud on the air, and then it's over and done with, for better or worse. Uh, it's out there and it's gone. Well, this was a different deal because uh, I had, you know, the chance to write something down as I wrote the initial draft, and then I would reread it and change it and reread it and change it. And it was a completely different process dealing with the written word than, than I had uh, done, of course, in my career as a broadcaster. It was a fun project, and it gave me a chance to relive my connection to baseball and the Twins going back to I'm just barely old enough, guys, to remember the first Twins game ever played back in 1961. So I got a chance to, you know, revisit some of my early childhood memories regarding baseball and the Twins uh, back in Dumont, Minnesota. So real quick, Dick Bramer, back to that perfect game by by David Wells. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. How many of the nine Twins batters can you name from that lineup card? Oh boy, off the top of your head. Paul Molitor was on it. Uh, was in the lineup. Uh, I think Pat Mears was. No. Um, it gets tougher after those two. <laughs> As I said, we were trying to find any reason to get people to watch Twins telecast back then. Can't blame you. So yeah, it's 
Yeah, they're, they're, uh, Marty Cordova, I believe, was on that team, was he not? He batted cleanup, yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I would say the lead, the leadoff hitter and the number five hitter are are definitely like recognizable twins, and the other ones, I mean, hats off. Was Brent Gates in the lineup that day? Wow, Brent Gates was in the lineup. Brent Gates was. Knobloch was right. Knobloch was for the Yankees. Oh, he he had gone over it by that by that point. Okay. All right. Oh, uh, boy, that's that's Matt Lawton. Make... Ma- Matt Lawton batted okay. leadoff. Ron Coomer batted fifth. Alex Ochoa played right field <laughs> oh, and batted sixth. John Shave was the starting third baseman. Billy Crystal could have moved. It wouldn't have jinxed the no hitter. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and, and again, the book is Game Used, My Life in Stitches with the Minnesota Twins, written by Dick Bramer. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Uh, what what just on the on the the subject of your timeline uh, covering the twins and doing play by play? I think the the period that I am most fascinated with, and I don't know if if anyone's ever written a book or if there can be a deep dive, but the the emergence out of the contraction talks and that like people yeah. always talk about two thousand two and that playoff run, but two thousand one was really the resurgent year where they ran out of steam in September, and I'm wondering as you come out of that dark period of the nineties that involved the David Wells perfect game and and you and Bert are kind of hitting your stride, and then the team comes out of nowhere. What was that 2001 season like for you guys? Well, I think uh, Doug Mankiewicz said it best when the Twins' uh, uh, charge for a, a postseason spot came up a little short. Cleveland won it, and Mankiewicz said, you know, they better enjoy it because it's going to be their last one for a while. Yeah. And then in early November, I want to say it was on a Tuesday, uh, Mankiewicz and Tory Hunter won Gold Glove Awards. And we, having seen what we saw in 2001, we were convinced this team's ready to, to move up. They're ready to take over a division and have a nice run for a while. And if, if the Gold Glove Awards were announced on Tuesday, then by Thursday it all came crashing to a halt with the announcement that you know baseball was considering contraction and the Twins, of all people, were one of the two teams that might be contracted. I can tell you, and it's detailed in the book, but that was the most unsettling winter that that I've ever had professionally just because I didn't know whether I had already done my last Twins game. It was terrible. Uh, It it was, you know, a tremendous relief. They actually sent us out on caravan. uh, And we were up, I was with Dave St. Peter and uh, Ron Gardenhire, who was going to be the manager if there was a team to manage. They sent us up to northern Minnesota. And the expression that we got from people was, why are you even here? Ultimately, the caravan is supposed to sell tickets, you know, for the upcoming season. But people had read the newspapers and heard the news reports. They, they didn't even think the twins were going to exist, so they were wondering why we were even in, you know, Bemidji in the first place or Grand Rapids. So uh, it was a very unsettling time for Twins fans. And then, of course, the punchline came the next year when Jock Jones hit the second pitch of the year for a home run, and the Twins pretty much ran the table after that and uh, won the division. Yeah. Hey, before we let you go, and, and this has been fun filling the, the baseball void, just uh, hearing stories and, and, and talking Twins and directing people to your book, Joe Buck is on social media this week saying, listen, there's no sports, but i got to keep my chops. I've got I've you know, to keep my play-by-play chops. So he's asking for people to send in videos of just things they're doing around their house, and then he will voice play by play on top. What needs to happen for us to to have you do some just to keep you know keep the vocal cords sharp? Can pe- can we have like our producer Jonathan send you a video of him like sweeping the kitchen or something, and you uh, do some play by play? Yeah, 
if, if we're if we're talking together in late March next year, and I haven't done a baseball game between now and then, <laughs> then then there, then there might be a chance of that happening. I, I'm uh, I, I'm not uh, I, I got to phrase this the right way because I think my family members are, are are listening. Both my son and my daughter are here in the house, and uh, I think that uh, they've heard me talk enough. Uh, in the house already, we've kind of self quarantined ourselves, I, and I don't think they want me to try to do simulated play by play of you know my son vacuuming his bedroom or anything like that. <laughs> if he's doing that, good good for him because I'm sure not. <laughs> All right, well, rest up, and hopefully baseball is back, even if it's in front of empty stadiums. Hopefully, it's back at least on TV and on the radio sometime soon. Game used, my life in stitches with the Minnesota Twins, the new book out from Dick Bramer. Dick, thanks so much for joining us, man. You got it, guys. We'll do it again sometime. All right. That was uh, that was fun. I, this is the week that it's hitting me the hardest, the baseball thing. Well, like, yeah. Wait till Thursday. It's going to be... Thursday's going to... Man, I was so looking forward to opening day. I was so looking forward to... I love opening day so much. It's like a holiday. It's my second favorite day on the sports calendar in a year. And I'm. it hurts. It hurts my heart. That we're not going to have opening day when we're supposed to have opening Here's day. Here's my recommendation. I think yeah, grocery stores are still open. Everyone's got a Foreman grill or something of mm-hmm. the equivalent if you're self-quarantining. And maybe you even have just a grill that you can, uh, if, you know, if you live in a house, you probably have a grill you oh, can fire Oh, not if you anybody, live in right? an apartment building. God forbid. We I have know, grills on in fire. Apart- oh, my God. You might oh. light the deck on fire. Same situation here. But listen, let's, let's all celebrate. Let's all go buy a couple packs of hot dogs. Go buy our favorite fixings. And let's do... One of these Mackie and Jeb with Rami quarantine happy hours, and let's just all eat hot dogs and watch like I don't know. Well, I was gonna uh, I told, game one sixty three or something. I and told you guys at the same time. Told you guys yesterday. I'm getting Thursday. I'm getting a Chicago style pizza and watching Game Seven of the 2016 World Series. You're welcome to join me for happy hour if you if if you guys want to do that. I, I, would you guys like if if we did that with we we'll let Rami pick a Cubs game, okay? Mm-hmm. Whatever they won the World Series for the first time and like the Chicago style century. pizza though d- d- seems wrong to me for baseball. Uh, not when I'm you're when the, you're a Cubs fan. I'm more I can, the hot dogs and There's never thing. anything wrong with Chicago style pizza, Judd. It's never it's never. <laughs> There's a always a time for it. Going deep dish? Yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure, no, deep dish. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm out. But like, do you think? And I, I'd love feedback from listeners too. You know, tweet at us at Phil Mackey at Jay Zolgad at Rami is tweeting. If we put together a few different nights, if we did it on Thursday, for instance, and we said, all right, we're all going to go to YouTube. We're going to all click play on the same twin. We're going to click play yeah, on game 163 yeah. or whatever. Yep. An entire game? You want people to hang out for three hours with us? That's the question. Like, yeah, I don't, three hours is pretty aggressive. That seems like a lot. Or do, we, st- like or do we start it from like, all right, we're going to start like it in the 10th inning, the, in inning of game 163 you know against the Tigers. Last night, last night, and this is the scariest thing, a week in, it started to feel normal watching classic games and just basically knowing I could not go out. This was the first night that it started to feel like, you know what? I'm used to, to this. My brain is... And it's only been like This is the scariest days. thing. My brain is adjusting. Like today, I get got here, no traffic, right? No traffic. I pulled into That's the lot. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? I parked and I'm like, normal day. No, but I mean... I. A week ago, though, it seems so weird, right? It's like, there's no traffic here. This yeah. is really weird. I'm now I'm judge. stuck. And now it's starting to all seem routine and you know normal. What? I had, I had speaks volumes to how the brain operates. I, I had the opposite experience. I pulled out of my parking garage today from my apartment. Actually, when I was, I was coming back here from my lunch break, and usually that street, it's a somewhat busy street. There's at least seven, eight, nine cars there as soon as I pull out of my parking garage. 
nothing, just emptiness between there and, and the next slide I had to turn on. And today was the first day where that hit me, where I was like, oh, man, there's like, there is nobody out here. This is this is a ghost town right now. And it, it's not the worst. You know what the worst I was gonna say, You know what it is? Yeah, it's just weird. Have you guys seen that Will Smith movie from like 12 years ago? I Am, I am Legend. Legend. Yeah. 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 Good well, movie. Two things. Number one, bravo to what I think it was. I think it was AMC. One of the channels a week ago and on Saturday was rerunning I Am Legend. Just like a total troll job to America, but I'm in for well, it. like to prep us for what's coming? Pretty more. We're all in that. We're all in that I mood. didn't see it. So. Okay. So I Am Legend is about, it's basically like a zombie apocalypse happens. Or like, oh, okay. it's it really, isn't it that it's an infectious virus, I think is what happens. And yes. it, it, yeah. it wipes out like all of society, basically. And Will Smith is one of the only people Fresh Prince that is left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not dressed as Fresh <laughs> yeah, Prince, he's not, but he's not the Fresh Prince yeah. in this one, Jed. <laughs> no. yeah, but he's the Fresh he's, Prince. He plays he, other roles, he's fighting zombies. Yeah, and the the whole movie is just following him along. It's a little bit like that Tom Hanks movie Castaway, except it's set in an urban setting, and yeah. instead of like Tom Hanks fighting uh, the wind and rainy conditions, he's Will Smith is fighting to try and find a cure for this virus. Because there's like a few people that are still alive and they're trying to keep humanity alive, right? But he's walking around to different movie stores. It's like the world stopped and every every all sporting events stopped and movie production stopped. And so he would just go and like grab movies from the vacant and empty movie store and go watch them from five or ten years ago. Like a blockbuster. Is that what's going to happen? Like are we just going to be three years from now we're all just going to be Will Smith walking around? No well, movies. We're, we're not going to find mo- movie stores, but... <laughs> I mean, the rest of it sounds plausible. Yeah, that was one thing that they did not no foresee. No. When they made I Am Legend, they did not see Netflix coming. <laughs> no, they they nailed not. everything else. They did not see Netflix coming. And the, the notion that we won't need to leave our houses. We're all totally fine with this. This is when that movie came out. Netflix was a company, but they were probably like, I mean, who's going to be who's still going to be mailing DVDs? Blockbuster's not going anywhere. That's crazy. <laughs> Just oh, rewind man. that tape before you return it, or else you'll be fined. <laughs> I still, in Christ. my possession, have Coach Carter in DVD form from the old Netflix model, have, and they have not come after it. I think so. I have Madden 2005, 2006. I have one of the Maddens in a blockbuster. Why they, just, they just gave up on trying to get those back. Why couldn't the movie stores rewind their own damn tapes? That's my question. It was really, Judd, I worked at a blockbuster for a long time, and it was it was a huge pain in the ass. You'd be kind, rewind. <laughs> Why are you giving that PSA now? Yeah, plus I you paid, do I that paid that you. I helped pay your salary. Rewind it yourself. Your salary. Four bucks an hour. It was, a, it was seriously a huge pain in the ass. We had a little rewind machine behind the counter. We had to put it in there. Well, oh, I bet you said some it, nasty things about yeah, the people that didn't rewind. Yeah, what what were the things that you guys most look forward to going to Blockbuster and, uh, and getting a copy of? Besides the obvious adult film section. The adult film... Section was my favorite because the people that went back there had, had to go through the door of shame, which just like it shinders would go. Everyone looks back. So everyone be like, "Hey, someone's going in to get porn." <laughs> Same thing with the adult oh, magazine guy. section at Shinders. The doors always creaked, so they knew when someone was going back there, so they couldn't stick in their shirt and walk off with the porn. I never understood why you would go to a video store to visit that section. There are entire video stores dedicated to just that, where you're surrounded by other people who are there in shame. Like, so there is really, yeah. there is really no shame. You're all in the same boat. I think it's that people can see you walking into the building and know that, like. 
there's just like it's a sidewalk entry point. So your hope is you go into Shinders, and if no one sees you go into the back area of Shinders, you can play it off like you bought but a couple then, comic but books. But then the door creaks. Oh, the door. Would all, yeah. Oh, the door had a definite creak to it, so they could tell, so you couldn't rip them off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no surprise to answer your question, Maggie. No surprise that my answer is the candy aisle. Just the the candy aisle at the video store. Like you'd get yeah. your movie, and then on the way out, you'd walk through the candy aisle on the way to the register, and it was just open season, man. What are we going to get while we watch these movies and play these video games tonight? Are you guys pro or anti raisinets? Because raisinets are absolutely my favorite. I go movie back candy. and forth. Honestly, I never hate a raisinet, but in terms of how much I like them. It changes. It changes from experience to experience with raisin nuts. For me, yeah, they're fine. They don't. They don't change. They haven't changed. No, no. In I'm saying years. My, my enjoyment of them. Sometimes I really enjoy a raisin nut. Sometimes, not so much. Feels like a candy commitment phobe issue to me. I was going to say, why, why go back and forth? No, I mean, I've guys, I've committed to a few candies. All right, <laughs> I have, I have my heavy hitters. I have, I have my rotation, my lineup, whatever you want to call it. Your Mount it's Rushmore. It's all set. Yeah, you it's all set. absolutely. Can't wait for that Mount Rushmore Mount to be unveiled Rushmore in about can. three weeks oh. here on Maggie. Oh, yeah, we'll coming. be doing that. <laughs> three <laughs> weeks? Coming. What are you talking Next about? Next Tuesday, probably. Uh, yes. Mount Rushmore means i got to keep it to four, right? Oh, Just yeah. the four top candies That's why we call it Mount that Rushmore. I would etch into a mountain? That's tough, man. Start That's thinking tough. about it. Got, I'll, I'll give you one right now that I know is an upset and not a lot of people know about or would agree with me. Give me a Take 5 bar any day, man. Take 5... I have to Google Take Five. It's one, it's, Let's take five. It's one of the best candy bars out there. It's a Reese's product. It's got five things. Oh in it. yeah. Oh, I'm it's in got on chocolate, these. Chocolate, pretzel, these. caramel, <laughs> peanut butter, and peanuts. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Not big sweets guy. Un- well, you can just leave the show then. I'm sorry, just not a big sweets guy. Heavily yeah. underrated. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I forgot the uh, banana chocolate chip muffins, guys. My bad. Yeah, no, you, no, uh, you, you, you definitely no, did not forget those. you didn't forget no, I did. them. I swear. I had, no, them, I had them, I had them no. on the table next to my backpack, so I wouldn't forget them when I walked out the door. You're Lo and troll. behold, you're a troll. I forgot them. You never intended to help us tomorrow. out. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow when they're going to be hard as hockey pucks. No, they're in Tupperwares, man. I made a dozen. How long do you think I'm going to be eating these things for? Listen, if you're At out least there, two days. If, you, if you are looking <laughs> to fill time with absolute... Bottom of the barrel content. Mackie and Jeb with Rami's quarantine happy hour last night featured Rami Makhlouf doing a 30-minute yoga session and baking muffins. Available on Scorner Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Are we back tonight? Are, are, we are not back tonight. Okay. Let's come back tomorrow night. We've okay. got a couple special guests lined up throughout Ooh. the coming days here. All right. That we'll unveil here. And we might even loop in some listeners on our quarantine happy hour, too. Those have been kind of fun so far. We had a great one with Glenn Perkins that only we saw because it just, I butchered the technology of it. Oh, that didn't get out? Learn. The first five minutes got out, and then, like, the best part of it. I knew we went too early I with overloaded my computer. We overshot. I know. You live and you learn. Like, if it had just been us three, who cares? Closer. We should have flip-flopped it. We'll, he'll come back on. He's got nothing to do. He just drinks beer like we do at night. So, all right, when we come back here, we'll get a scoop session from Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Scoop Podcast and 5 Eyewitness News. All right, what are the Vikings doing here? They got $14 million in cap space. Robbie Anderson, they need a number two wide receiver. Robbie Anderson just signed with Carolina to play with Teddy Bridgewater. So what are the Vikings up to? What could they still do? We'll talk about those things when we come back here. After we talk about one of our favorite partners here, Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is one of the best places to work. In addition to just being a great peace of mind compliment to your business and great protection for your business, it's just a great place to work, quite frankly. It was named one of the top 150 places to work by the Star Tribune just a couple months ago for the second year in a row. 
And the Star Tribune also named Jeff Fetters top CEO for large companies in the state of Minnesota. Uh, Federated takes 100-plus years of commitment and service and helping businesses, and they apply all of that knowledge to your business. It's great peace of mind. I've been a business owner in my life, and I can attest to the ups and the downs and just how hard it can be sometimes. Federated is here to help you, and they measure their success by your success. When you win, they win. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries Federated protects and to find your local Federated representative. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together. Hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. <laughs> you like that? You like that? <laughs> Welcome in, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hour number two today. If you missed hour one, go back and listen because it was a great hour, not because of us, but because of PJ Fleck joining the show and because of Dick Bramer joining the show to tell twin stories and to talk about his new book. And uh, it gets better because Darren Doogie Wolfson, our friend, is here from the Scoop Podcast and Five Eyewitness News. And Doogie, we're sitting here. It's the second week of NFL free agency, and the Vikings still have about $14 million in cap space and a bunch of positional needs, including wide receiver. Well, Robbie Anderson just signed a two-year deal to go play with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. So empty your Vikings free agency notebook for us on the show. I will do that. Hello, gentlemen. I'm not quite sure that the show gets better with me on. I mean, especially after PJ and Dick. I mean, many would argue the show is taking a significant step back. No, but dudes, we're crescendoing right into our favorite thing. Reckless speculation. Oh, I like it, Phil. Well, here you go. Okay, so $14 million remaining, which could easily turn into $20-plus million, depending on what they do with Anthony Harris. I can tell you that there is an NFC team that has talked parameters of a contract with Anthony's representation. I don't know specifically what team. I have a feeling it's an NFC East team. No, it is not Washington, because if you're trying to connect some logical dots, I do think that Trent Williams, uh, the uh, free agent off- or the Redskins offensive lineman, has fans over in Egan. I mean, undoubtedly. The Vikings, I think, have interest in Williams. The question is... You know, can they get what they want for Anthony Harris, which, I mean, they're being realistic. I don't think they're getting a two, but can they get a three? Then could they peddle that particular pick to Washington for Williams, then work on a long-term deal for Williams? Uh, you know, there's some, there's some chatter out there about him wanting $20 million a year. I think his camp is realistic. I texted with somebody that knows Williams today. I think $20 million is an overstatement. He's not getting his wish. He's not getting out of Washington and getting $20 million a year. You know, but there's still the issue of, of what Washington wants in terms of, of a trade package. So there's all sorts of moving parts because I also think, guys, that there is a scenario that they've discussed over in Egan that involves, that entails Anthony Harris being back in purple. So I think there's a lot of things up in the air. I think one of the issues with the Vikings right now is whatever team that is, that NFC team that is kicking the tires of Anthony, that has talked some contract parameters with his camp, 
I think there's some there's some hurdles in in terms of you know what compensation they would give the Vikings. So I think that's the next domino to fall. You know, it's it's possible the Vikings sign you know one of these journeyman cornerbacks that's still out there. They were not in on Robbie Anderson. I can tell you that, especially at that money that he got in Carolina. But it's possible you know they'll get in on one of these wide receivers. They did kick the tires on on Dorsett before he went to Seattle today. His representation also represents Travis Benjamin, who went to San Francisco today. So the Vikings sort of kicked the tires on those guys. They're kicking the tires on some other guys. I heard they kicked the tires on Devontae Booker, a free agent running back. Now, it's not like running back is a position of need, but Gary Kubiak likes Booker. You know, if they end up losing Amir Abdullah, you know, maybe he would slide into to that role. But I think Devontae Booker is probably good enough to be some team's number two running back. But I would keep an eye on Williams. Until the Redskins move Williams, undoubtedly there's multiple teams in on Williams. But I can just tell you, I would be shocked if the Vikings haven't talked to Washington because I'm telling you, the Vikings, there are fans in, in Egan, in that building, in TCO Performance Center, that would love to have Williams as the Vikings left tackle. Hold on. Bob, on. yes. There, there we there go. Are. Oh, what, oh. Was, was my mic not on? Sorry about that. Trent, we, we thought you were just uh, great at miming in front of the uh, the cameras there. Trent yeah. Williams fits the description of the type of player I'm about to ask you about, Doogie, but do you know if they've talked in any of these discussions and shopping Anthony Harris around about getting a player in return who can help them win football games now rather than a draft pick, which helps you a little bit more down the road? My understanding, Rami, is if they end up trading Anthony Harris, it would be for a draft pick. I mean, Anthony's a really good player. Like, you can make a case for keeping Anthony. Why not? I mean, I get it. You don't want to be paying two safeties, 22 or $23 million combined. I understand that. But he is really, really good. So I'm just telling you, if they end up trading Anthony Harris, I'm positive it's tied to some other move. By the way, let me give you another name that they're in on. Nicole Roby Coleman. I don't know if I'm saying his first name properly. You are. Colin loves this guy. Yeah. So they're in on him, but my understanding is, much like Mackenzie Alexander, they lowballed Mackenzie. Maybe it's just because of the situation they're in, but they weren't willing to go to $4 million on Alexander before he bounced to Cincinnati. Right now, they're only talking the veteran minimum for Roby Coleman. Mm-hmm. And he's not coming here for the veteran minimum. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe, you know, I guess I can't sit here and say 100% definitively he's not coming here for the veteran minimum, but I would be surprised at this point on March 24th or March 25th or March 26th if Roby Coleman said, yeah, let me come there for for the vet minimum because I know Philadelphia's got some interest in him, some other teams. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're still doing some stuff. They're on the phone. Uh, They're certainly somewhat active. Uh, but I still think the next domino to fall is whatever happens on Anthony Harris. Maybe the Vikings sign him to a long-term deal, or they complete a trade. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook, Dukes. Uh, in the last, what, two weeks now, Todd Gurley got cut by the Rams and signed a cheaper deal, clearly, with the Falcons. M- Melvin Gordon, a year ago, uh, held out, turned down a pretty lucrative offer from Los-, Los Angeles Chargers, and just signed a much less lucrative deal with Denver. And Given the climate and circumstances that we're in right now, and I'm not saying that the National Football League is going broke, but certainly things are changing here, does Dalvin Cook need to reset his parameters or his goals? Because two months ago, I think we all correctly assumed he's not going to go to OTAs if they don't give him a new multi-year contract. He's probably going to hold out. But his position and the circumstances surrounding the league, at least a little bit, have changed do you think Delvin Cook and his reps need to refocus on what their goal is for 2020? Maybe eventually, Jed, but I think they are still going to aim for the moon when those talks pick up here in the in the coming weeks. I think their view is, you know, what would that offense be without him? 
You know, now to me, what sort of leverage does he have? I, I don't, I don't foresee much leverage outside of the Vikings being pretty bad if if he doesn't report. You know, whenever training camp begins, I mean, in terms of OTAs, I think at this point uh, OTAs are not happening. I don't think mini camps are happening. I happen to think best case scenarios maybe training camp, you know, in in late July. But if he's not out there and he's not out on the field in August, and then as we approach week one, I think a lot of us would be uh, spelling doom and gloom. For the Vikings, so I think the Cook camp would be would be hopeful that that narrative would get out there. But otherwise, like look at Melvin. I mean, what leverage exactly did Melvin have? I, I guess I missed what leverage he had with with the Chargers. So yeah, probably eventually. I think they need to recalibrate yet. But I think those initial talks will be that they want him to be the highest paid running back in the National Football League. Boy, this is. I feel like there's still so much that could potentially happen here for the next couple of weeks for the Vikings and. The conversation that we started the week with, Doogie, actually goes back to last Friday, is if you knew that the Vikings were going to lose all these players, all these defensive key players, not that they weren't planning for it, would you still have signed Kirk Cousins to that extension guaranteeing $61 million? My question to you is just based on what you've observed and heard, like on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do Vikings decision makers love Kirk Cousins? I mean, 10 being... Oh my God, like if he could play here until he's 40 years old, let's just keep shoveling money to Kirk Cousins. And, and, you know, like a, a five being whatever, it's a, it's, a, it's a chair in the game of musical quarterback chairs. Where do you think the organization falls? I think it's somewhere between five and ten, probably closer to ten, although undoubtedly it's, it's not ten, Phil. Uh, I think they view him and, and like him uh, more than, than a good portion of the fan base. I think there's also a thought that, that how do you do better? Can you do better? Like on Cam Newton, like you want to throw out Cam Newton's name, how can you sign him without being without being able to bring him in for for physical? Like yeah. that's that's the hurdle right now with Everson Griffin. Yep. Like there are teams that want Everson Griffin. Like Tampa likes Everson. Seattle, Dallas, the two New York teams. Uh, there's some other teams, the Raiders, the Redskins. I mean, there's a bunch of teams. Cleveland, you know, actually has some interest in Everson. There's a bunch of teams that have some interest in Everson, but my understanding is nobody wants to sign him. Now this could change. You know, maybe it changes via a bunch of FaceTime calls or, you know, some Skype dialogue or what have you. But a lot of these teams want to bring Everson in for a visit just to make sure, like, he's he's in a good spot. He was in a good spot 2019, but let's not forget all the hurdles he had, you know, off the field in 2018. So, like, these teams, before committing any sort of, you know, guaranteed money to Everson, want to make sure he's in a good spot. I think with Cam, like, physically, you need to make sure he's healthy, you know, so... I think they would struggle with, with who is the alternative. Plus, I guess in the case of Kirk Phil, you know, maybe we can debate whether Michael Pierce was money well spent, but they did create, what, $10 million in 2020 salary cap space, and he doesn't have a no-trade clause moving forward. And I still think Shanahan out in San Francisco would love to have Kirk. You know, so maybe the Vikings have that to fall back on if, if everything goes miserably you know, this year, that maybe this time next year they, they you know, engage San Francisco in some trade dialogue. Do you know if they trade Anthony Harris and free up that cap space, if there's any interest in going after Jadavian Clowney if he's still on the market? I've not heard Clowney's name attached to here. I'm not suggesting there's not anything there, Rami. I just personally have not heard that. I think it would be more along the lines of trying to fix the offensive line. Hmm. Dukes, is Daniel Oturo gone for sure? And if so, uh, with him declaring for the draft via ESPN yesterday, where do you think realistically he gets uh, picked at this point? Yeah, Jed, I think he's absolutely gone. In fact, I'm talking to him tomorrow. I went back and forth with, with somebody close to him today to, to line that up. 
I did have some correspondence with three different NBA big shots, two Eastern Conference executives, one Western Conference executive. The Western Conference executive says lottery pick. Now, this team won't be picking in the lottery, but he thinks Daniel is, is a lottery pick. The two Eastern Conference executives both will be – let me think where the standings are. I guess if the season ended today, both teams would be lottery teams. Both think he's late lottery to late first, which is a pretty wide range, but all three said – First-round pick. Yeah, he is going to hire an agent. Yeah, there's there's no chance he's he's returning to the Gophers for, for his junior year. Like other guys, like McKinley Wright of Champlin Park, is going to test the waters. Why not? Go work out for some teams if, if that's allowed at some point. I mean, who knows at this point. But if that's allowed at some point, maybe go work out for some teams, get some feedback. But he won't hire an agent. He'll keep the door open to be able to go back to Colorado for his senior year. But, yeah, Daniel O'Toole, 100% is in the NBA draft, and he's a heck of a story. Like, I don't know if any of us a year ago, you know, coming off maybe the, the round of 32 Michigan State loss or whenever, about this time last year, I don't think any of us would have said a year from now, Daniel Oturu, surefire first-round pick. So it's a credit to him. It's a credit to Richard Pitino, some others with the Gophers, you know, some other people, you know, from Creighton Durham Hall that, that work with him, you know, some of the pulley people that he's close with. You know, some of the other people, he's been training with Trey Jones or was training with Trey Jones until things sort of shut down here in the last few days. And Trey trains with his oldest brother, J.D. Jones. Uh, So, yeah, a lot of people have helped Daniel along the way. But it's a credit to him because I'm telling you, one year ago, like never in a million years did I think. I thought he had a chance to eventually play in the NBA. I mean, he was a pretty good recruit coming out of Creighton. Like Kansas wanted him. Michigan State wanted him. That was a good get by Ben Johnson, Richard Pitino, and the Gophers. You know, then he goes to Nike Hoop Summit, a bunch of good prospects in Portland at Nike Hoop Summit, ends up messing up his shoulder. So then he undergoes surgery, misses summer workouts heading into his freshman year. He was behind stamina-wise. You know, but then looking at last summer, he really worked on his body, worked on his stamina. That's no longer really an issue and really worked on his shot. So, yeah, he's, he's absolutely – it's a weak draft. I mean, that helps him and a lot of guys, Judd. But, yeah, he's, he's absolutely going to be a first-round pick, at least based on, on what I can gather. That is Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Scoop Podcast. Anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, and from 5 Eyewitness News. Hey, we got about 60 seconds here, Doogie, so empty the bag. What other scoops do you have for us? Rapid fire. Zeke Naji, look for news on him. Hopkins High School, University of Arizona, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. Look for him to make his intentions known, I would say, by this time next week. Maybe over the weekend, maybe Friday, maybe early next week. But by the time we talk next Tuesday, God willing, of course, uh, by the time we talk next Tuesday, I think we'll have news of Zeke Naji entering the NBA draft. And much like Oturu, he will stick in. He'll look to, to hire an agent. I saw the note from Jeff Goodman of Stadium, formerly of ESPN, that Rob Jeter, Richard Pitino's assistant coach, Rob Jeter, is in line to get the Western Illinois job. Checking with some people, Goodman is spot on. Rob Jeter, former Wisconsin-Milwaukee coach, in line to get that job. Here's another note on the Gopher staff. Ed Conroy, former head coach at Tulane. I heard he's in the mix for the Samford job. That's a smaller D1 school in, in Alabama. Now, there's some other names in the mix for that job, but it looks like at this point, Patino will lose one assistant and potentially two. That is Doogie. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. See you, buddy. Okay. See you, Phil. Bye-bye. All right. Doogie from uh, downstairs. Ordinarily, he'd be in studio, but we're trying to maintain uh, social distancing practices, which is why Rami is quarantined in a studio down the hallway. Is he down the hall? He's in the building and just down the hall? He's downstairs. downstairs. Oh. Yeah. He's right, pretty much right beneath you right now. It's weird to describe it that way, but all right. I ask my question again. <laughs> who is going to be left besides Richard Pitino at Williams Arena to turn out the lights when this is all Dude, said and done? It's tough. 
It is tough. It's it's just it's not setting up for a great Gopher season next year by any you means. Think? Wow. I mean, it's tough because like credit to Richard Pitino for landing Daniel Laturu and for helping develop him into potentially a lottery pick. Like he deserves that credit, but they would have whiffed on the NCAA tournament, maybe the NIT this year, and next year is going to be kind of a disaster. So right. we've wanted an NBA player for like 15 years. Real quick, uh, let's keep it right here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. So this Trent Williams thing is getting really interesting. The fact that the Redskins have basically, the Reds, just a train wreck organization, and, and hopefully they start to figure things out now with just like hiring new people to to run everything. But mm-hmm. um, it sounds like the stalemate is Washington has not really made a full-fledged effort to seek actual trade partners for Trent Williams. But now his agent has the power to go facilitate trades. Mm-hmm. And so it's a discussion about what does Trent Williams' next contract look like and how much money does he want, which is a lot, by the way. He's in his prime. Well, not really. Because he's 31, he's, which isn't bad for a left tackle. He's he's fine in terms of like age curve, the question I guess. Is, the question is more his health, I think. And the second the question is, if there's a trade, how reasonable is Washington going to be in terms of what they ask for, because they could still sit here and play the game of, oh, we want three first-round picks. Okay, well, no. Right. That's not happening. So where would you guys sort of draw the line in terms of how much would you pay one of the better left tackles in the NFL? You know, let's say, you know, what is Riley Reef to the cap? $12 million, something, $11, $12 million? Like, would you pay him more than Riley Reef and give up a first-round pick? Because I actually would consider that. I would consider giving up one of the first round picks, and I would and I would pay him a lot of money because you need that position to be filled. How about if a you want Kirk pick? Cousins to be good? Yeah, I've seen that Could they're looking. Second? I've seen that they're looking for a second, and that I would do in a heartbeat and give him but, but the extension can, that he can, wants. If you can end the conversation by offering a first round pick, would you do it? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's that's a heavy price to pay. So is not having a left tackle. Also, Kirk Cousins also is your a heavy, also a heavy price to pay. That's true. Yeah. I would I would strongly consider it, but I'm on the fence about it right now, to be honest with you. Just trying to digest it right after you asked me the question. I'm sort of on the fence about it. My two explorations at this point, if I were Spielman and the boys in Egan, would be Williams in one uh, category and also checking on to see if I could use one of my first-round picks and some of my other collateral from the draft to move up into a top-ten position to take a left tackle. Because if I could do that and get a young, but I, but I mean a guy that I could put in day one yeah. and trust... And yes, you can whiff on those picks, i.e. Matt Khalil. But if you do it right, you've got a guy for approximately eight to ten years. I will say this though: if the Williams decision is I can only afford him if I uh, jettison Anthony Harris, the safety's gone. Yeah, I want the left tackle. Yeah, this isn't that tough to me. Ordinarily, once you get to the second week of free agency, there's there's not that many impactful things you can do with your roster, right? It's like kind of B and C level free agents, but. The Vikings still have so many potential things here with an Anthony Harris trade. The fact that there are franchise left tackles, one of them is 38, but another one's 32 years old, just sitting out there. I mean, there's just things to be done here in the second week of free agency, and we'll see. Like, if the Vikings wind up not really doing anything and trading Anthony Harris for, like, a fourth-round pick or something, I'm going to be disappointed for them. There's just, like, you can you can keep building for that three-year window and make moves that help you get back to... NFC contender this year on the board right now. There are moves you can make. Mackie, yeah, I've I've said on Score North Live, which by the way, it's me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities, weekdays, noon to two, or anytime you want on the Score North app and wherever you get your podcast. 
I think that the the best free agent signing maybe right now, when you look out at the barren landscape that is free agency that the Vikings can make, might be to keep Anthony Harris in terms for the purposes of winning in 2020. Unless we're talking about trading him for a, a Trent Williams or trading him to free up the cap space to get a Trent Williams or or a player of that caliber, when you look at what else is left out there, like I said, for the purposes of winning in 2020, I don't know that you're going to find a better football player who who can make more of an impact for you than Anthony Harris at this point. And you wouldn't be because sometimes when you do franchise tag players, you have to you have to then go down the path of okay, like is there going to be a stalemate and a standoff? I don't think Anthony Harris is at all a flight risk. Like, I think he's a late-round draft pick. This is the big payday of his life and his career, even a franchise tag. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to, like, sit out games or pull that card like some of the running backs do. Like, if you're a first-round pick running back, you still bank millions of dollars. Anthony Harris has not banked $10 million in his life. I think their their goal, though, ultimately is, because if they had allowed him to walk in free agency, he would have got them a compensatory pick probably in the third round in 2021. I think the goal is to trade him for multiple picks, or I think they're trying to get a second-round pick, probably too high, but to get a third-round pick that's going to put them up to 13 picks in this draft. And my disappointment in this team is not going to be official until the draft, because if they do the right things in the draft, it's going to help a lot potentially. If you take if you take your 25th pick and let's say a third round pick and a fifth round pick and move up in the first round, that changes things. I'll go back to what we've been talking about for a week plus now. The only thing that doesn't make sense here is Cousins. Everything else, guys, points to a 2020 where you're like, okay, it's not going to be great, but that there's some plan here in 2021. And it's all very confusing right now, but unless, unless you whiff on the entire draft process, I'm willing to at least give it through then to see where they're trying to go. Yeah. Hey, let's let's segue this. When we come back, two things. Jonathan has a cram session planned for us, and Godfather Mock has spoken for the third time this mock season. I'm calling my shot. I'm winning cram session today. All right. Calling the shot. It's a wrap. It's all over. Getting the win. Right over the center field wall. What makes you so confident? The, I've read the questions. The judges, I'm well prepared. The, question three is great. The judge is not happy. Oh, and question three. My answer for question three is just just wait. Just wow. All right, Rami All right. has called his shot. Calling wow. my shot. He's predicting this a cram session league. victory. Calling Jonathan, what does this do? Shot. I don't know. I mean, the do you, li- do you like it? He's setting himself up here. This, look, these, I you just gotta, you got to come through here, Rami. I just have great answers. This has nothing to do with the other with the other stuff that we talk about surrounding crams. I just have great <laughs> answers <laughs> for these three <laughs> questions. I'm telling you, great. I have great. Answers. I just I have great answers for these questions. I will win. Calling my shot. I say, well, wait, 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 quickly. I will be the judge of that. I say that, that we allow him. Rami to answer first every one of these questions so we can all decide before we answer if we really think actually it's a great answer actually if you guys will allow me to sub segment within a segment write this down I'll win cram session today you said it write it down that's verbally binding that is binding yeah Jonathan you are the official note keeper I'll write it down and the official ruler of whether Rami wins cram session when we come back in his hands Mackie and Joe with Rami score north and the score north app you think you and your Hall of Fame quarterback buddy like football? Well, John Gruden and Brett Favre don't just like football. They f-ing love it. It's red left switch. Z right. Sprint right G. U corner. Halfback flat. Nice and easy. Let's walk it. Here we go. 
Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. That's so cool. Jonathan here with the Score North download. During the coronavirus outbreak, the need remains high for our local Ronald McDonald House as they work tirelessly to provide food, shelter, and wide array of support services to families with seriously ill or injured children at their Twin Cities locations. Your contribution of any amount enables the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with the child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. Thanks to Luis Arise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Luis Arise Minnesota Twins jersey. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. If you just missed the last segment, Darren Doogie Wolfson was on with the scoop and he had some information about Anthony Harrison, what that situation is right now. Here's what he said. I can tell you that there is an NFC team that has talked parameters of a contract with Anthony's representation. I don't know specifically what team. I have a feeling it's an NFC East team. No, it is not Washington because if you're trying to connect some logical dots, I do think that Trent Williams, uh, the uh, free agent off- or the Redskins offensive lineman, has fans over in Egan. I mean, undoubtedly. The Vikings, I think, have interest in Williams. The question is, you know, can they get what they want for Anthony Harris, which, I mean, they're being realistic. I don't think they're getting a two, but can they get a three? Then could they peddle that particular pick to Washington for Williams? That's just going on download. Now back to Mackie and Jonathan Rami. Reckless speculation. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Yeah. Listen. Todd McShay's mocks are great. Todd Father Mock is is great. But when Godfather Mock speaks, we listen. And that's what has happened on ESPN.com today, gentlemen. It's 3.0, Mel Kuyper style. You're damn right it is. Let's roll before we get to cram session here. Fire this up, Jonathan Harrison. Number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Godfather Mock has Joe Burrow. No change. Number two to the Washington Redskins. Chase Young, pass rusher, Ohio State. Now, didn't he in his 2.0, didn't he have Tua going third to the Lions? I believe so. Yeah, that's I changed. I will confirm. That's changed now right. because Tua can't work out four teams in person, and so Tua's falling. So Tua's not going three to the Lions. They're taking cornerback Ohio State, Jeff Okuda. Giants taking Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, and Tua falling to the Dolphins. At number five, with Justin Herbert coming he off the board. He did indeed have Tua going three to the Lions. I'm looking at uh, Godfather Mox 2.0 as we speak. He got cold feet on that. He did. It's too bad. Free combine, too. But if Tua could... But Tua didn't really do it. I mean... Right. But if Tua could have a pro day now, I think he might have kept him three. And you could live video stream a pro day, right? I mean... And by the way, the Lions should take Tua. But I'm glad they won't because they're the Lions and they're stupid. Could you live video stream if if you had yes. I don't know if you had like a rich I mean you sure you can you go 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 you know you're going to make like forty million dollars go get like someone to CGI your pro get get a pro film day. crew just get right. a whole film yeah. crew hilarious get a green screen do it in like <laughs> do it in like the middle of an Avengers movie like make it look really cool it's not you that'd be amazing Tua looks fantastic that wasn't Tua <laughs> all right the Chargers taking Justin Herbert number six and then we're going to scroll down here. 
There's some tackles. There's a run on tackles. If you're wondering where are you going to have to trade up to. You might want to stop at uh, 20, I believe. Jacksonville pick. You might want to stop there. The tackle run starts at 8 with the Cardinals taking Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Got to get up. And then you get to, uh, is it Mackie Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville? Mackay. Mackay? Believe so. And then the Jets are. The Jets are taking a tackle, according to Godfather Mock. Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama. That's. Three tackles in four picks. And then we scroll down. There's another tackle at 14. Bunch of tackles. Then we get to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 20, taking Antoine Winfield Jr. And remember, That's the mm, highest we've seen him. Godfather Mock 2.0, he had Antoine Winfield going 25 to the Vikings. So he loves, and I don't loves think he's just blowing him. smoke here. Read it that. seems like Winfield might be a first-round pick. Read his write-up on it. Where could Winfield play? How about everywhere? He has the versatility to play deep safety, nickel corner, strong safety, even some linebacker. Yep. At five foot nine, two hundred three, he's not the biggest guy, but you could, but you couldn't tell from watching his tackling on tape. He's not afraid to hit a ball carrier. Winfield stayed healthy in two thousand nineteen, had seven picks. He's a ball hawk, which is something Jacksonville could use after it traded Jalen Ramsey last year. I really like Winfield, and this is a great landing spot for the best defensive back left on my board. Can anyone read that with a Mel Kiper voice by chance? I don't do a great Kiper. Well, he's no. kind of doing the thing with the with the cadence and the vibe. The and cadence the vibe. Is great. I can't do it. Work though. Winfield play. How about everywhere? He's got the versatility to play deep safety. He's got the kind of cadence like this. I'll work on that for uh, the next mock. And number twenty-two, the first of two Vikings first-round picks, Godfather Mock. Has wide receiver from Baylor, Denzel Mims. He's got Jordan Love going to the Patriots, the quarterback from Utah State at 23. And then at 25, after taking a wide receiver at 22, Godfather Mock has the Vikings taking. Defensive end from Iowa, AJ, is it pronounced Epinesa? That's how I pronounced it today. Something like that? And cross my fingers. I want a Mock! Mock! Here's the write-up. This has to be... I'll read both write-ups just for fun. Then we'll get to cram session. This is on the defensive end. This has to be corner or defensive end, right? Free agent Everson Griffin has already said goodbye to Vikings fans. Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes all departed. We know Mike Zimmer is always thinking about his defense, and that unit could use some help with one of Minnesota's first-round picks. This dude could be capable of replacing Everson Griffin as a defensive end with a big frame. Um, he's good against the run, has room to grow as a pass rusher. On the wide receiver, this would be Denzel Mims from Baylor. Yes, this is another team that needs a wide receiver, and this is the draft to get one. Minnesota got this pick by trading Stephon Diggs last week. The Vikings could use it to find a direct replacement. Adam Thielen is the clear wide receiver number one, but there's not much else on the roster that should excite Vikings fans in terms of wide receiver anyways. Mims is one of the biggest risers from the pre-draft process, which, by the way, scares me. I Same. hate when I see that. Same. Uh, and he, is, he was, was tremend- what are you guys about? tremendous at the Senior Bowl, which is an exhibition game, and then blew up at the Combine, running a four three eight forty. He's six foot three, two hundred seven pounds, and testing well in the other workouts. He did have twenty eight touchdowns over three seasons at Baylor, which is good. But like these dudes who. What did they look like on tape and in actual games? And then, oh my God, he's fast! Like, no, okay, where were you? <laughs> can they just cool. can they just please use pick twenty five and a couple other picks to go get to move up to get one of those tackles that you read off? Just address the tackle position. If you're not going to make the trade with Washington, just address that position. Yeah. You can take care of it for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, this dude did catch 
66 passes for 1,000 yards and yeah. 12 touchdowns. And I love Laquan Treadwell, too. Yeah. I mean, Treadwell had I know, massive it, leg injuries. There's a lot of good receivers out there, but nonetheless, I want them to address the tackle position if they're not going to make the Trent Williams deal, and odds are they're probably not. I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! All right, gentlemen. Should we do it? Let's go. He's called a shot. Let's go. Let me get that W. It's fired. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Chud, and Rami. And if you're watching us live on the video stream right now, Score this North, is amazing. Score North Twitter, Score North Facebook, and Score North Twitch. We have pulled, we have a loyal listener, his name is Marcus, and he, he used to keep track of the old Roycey and Mackie cram session stats back in the day. So this has been like 10 years of bookkeeping. I have never seen Marcus's work. This is downright impressive. Color-coded. So if, if we've, got, wow. we've got the standings, and we've got all the advanced metrics and statistics of cram session this up amazing. on the stream right now. Scoring our Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. <laughs> so Judd has six cram session victories on the season. I have three. Rami has two. Jonathan asks us three questions every single Tuesday, and then he awards a point based on who answers the question the best or to his liking. And just some of the interesting things to uh, to go through here, for instance, uh, like some of the combined stats here and the topics. If we are asking NFL questions, Judd has four victories. Phil has three. Rami has three. Major League Baseball questions, Judd has two victories. Rami and I are both over on the season. There has never been a college football question asked. Not this year yet. This well, season. I mean, college football was basically over when we Very interesting. started the season. So, Jonathan, why don't you fire away? We've got Rami Makloff has gone on the record and has predicted in write-that-down ironclad form. Yes. That he will win cram session. Winning today. this thing. Today. I feel like he's extremely confident based on the fact that he feels like he's going to win the third question for sure, which creates a lot of interest. Oh, the, the third question two. is a lock. There's no way. There's no Are way. Are you going to be arrested? Oh, I'm at, telling you. Should we call the authorities? Take. All right. Let's go. All right. I, I feel go. like this might be problematic. Let's go. I'm going to borrow this first question from right. Myron Medcalf's Twitter this morning. He asked, Who was your favorite athlete in any sport who was destined for greatness until injuries or personal drama? Disrupted their career. We're making Ronnie go first on all this. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Shut my mic. Easy off. answer. Nobody has a better answer. It's Derrick Rose, the youngest ever MVP in the history of the NBA. Took a Bulls team that I loved at the time, but in hindsight, like the next best players on that team were Joe Kim Noah and Todd Gibson and the likes of that, and went toe to toe with LeBron James when he was with the Cavs, with LeBron James when he was with the Heat, with some really good Celtics teams. And all you got to do to know or to, to, to get an idea of what kind of basketball player Derrick Rose could have been if his career was not sidetracked by injuries is ask NBA players. There are very few guys in the league today who are more. More revered among their peers than Derrick Rose, and who are talked about in terms of what if among their peers, the way that Derrick Rose is by mm. other NBA players around the league. Derrick Rose is the answer to this, and there is no better answer. Let's move on. Give me All the right. point. So Rami is uh, off the confidence. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get to my answer in sort of a roundabout way here. Would the room agree that Johan Santana is one of the greatest pitchers of the last twenty years? 
Multiple mm. Cy Young Awards. When you say one of, like... He's like one of the to, five best starting pitchers of, I don't know of, about that. of a 15-year stretch. That's maybe, fantastic. Maybe, I'm not, maybe I don't remember him as vividly as you guys do, but I don't know about all that. That's, I mean, he Rami's double down here. He, he was can't, straight up... He can't agree. Rami's just trying to sabotage No, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm being dead serious here. I don't know. If a top five pitcher of the last 20 years? Yes. I, I don't... I, I don't see that. Maybe I'm not remember. Maybe I don't remember him as well as you guys do. But last twenty years, he probably yeah. Last twenty years, he probably could. Well, my point was going to (laughs) be, Johan Santana was amazing for seven or eight years, and there was a pitcher on the Twins that was better than Johan Santana until his elbow blew out. Francisco Liriano. Francisco Liriano is my answer to this question. Uh, He was destined to be the best pitcher in baseball. He was for at least four months in his first year as a starter. And the the Twins, which, by the way, our next Rewind episode is going to be about the 2006 Twins later on this week. We'll have more information coming soon. Uh, but but if Francisco Liriano had not blown his elbow out, I think he would have seen an historic run for a starting pitcher, throwing 100 miles an hour with ridiculous off-speed stuff. Derek Rose, Derek Rose is good. <clears throat> of course, Rami's a big Bulls fan. Makes perfect sense. Mm, I don't think... I, Frankie Liriano's good, for sure. But I'm going to give you guys... And this is very recent and very, very sad because this is a man that played a position who would have been generationally great and that the football world has been robbed of of seeing see this through, and his name is Andrew Luck. Retiring at the age of 29 in what should have been the prime of a career, and we all agree that quarterbacks are incredibly hard to find, and we all agreed that when Luck was taken first overall by the Colts, he was a generational talent who would have changed things as far as the position he played, as far as greatness went, as far as ability went, as far as talent went, as far as smarts went. Played seven years. He was hurt for much of that time and before he turned 30. And by the way, for a quarterback, the age of 30 is not exactly decrepit. you still got C. Tom Brady or Brett Favre a long way to go. Andrew Luck's career came to an end because he couldn't take it. He had been hurt so much. He walked away. Derrick Rose, a really, really, really good basketball player. Frankie Liriano, uh, in his prime, a really good pitcher. But I'm talking about a guy that would have been the replacement for Brady as far as the next great, great QB, Andrew Luck. That's my answer. Only one of these is the correct answer, as is always. And it's... Sorry, Rami, it's not Derrick Rose this time. It's... It's going to be Andrew Luck. Outrageous. As much as Francisco was blowing out his arm, like destroyed my childhood because I was so excited about him. Andrew Luck retiring in his prime at the age of 29 when he could have been the quarterback for the next 10 years is still the most, it's still the, the weirdest one to me that didn't pan out. Outrageous. Sorry. <laughs> Robbed. Rob. Hey, you just lost Already one. Rob. You still have two more questions. Already Rob. There's still two more questions, right? All right, let's go. All right, so ESPN2 this Sunday turned into ESPN The Ocho. They went ahead with it a little bit earlier than they normally do. Uh, I sent you guys the list of shows or sports that they had. So I want you to pick one of the events, not the E60 one, and give me your best 15-second elevator pitch why I should watch that event or why the listeners should watch that event. Jonathan, I'm going to help you out here. Is there a timer on this, by the way? I got my own timer right now. I just 15 make, seconds, but I mean, you, do your thing. Listen, I planned for 15 seconds, okay? I just want you guys to... No, I've got something written here myself. Okay. Not, I'm, I'm going to help you out here, Jonathan, all right? All right. Hit the record button. Okay. And I'm going to do you a favor. The clear answer to this is cornhole, guys. Who doesn't love a good cornhole? I mean, everybody... 
loves cornhole, and it's the Johnsonville ACL Cornhole Championships. This combines sausage and cornhole. You can't ask for much more than combining sausage and cornhole. It's got to be the cornhole championships. Cornhole is the best. Okay. Judd? I prefer Phil Went. I'm recovering. Phil, you want to go? I need a second. (laughs) We all do. Phil, you're the true professional here. Oh, my goodness. As content director, (laughs) I want you to take the baton after cornhole. I'm going to be over in the corner. (laughs) I'm going to go with the... That's not a cough. I'm not dying. I'm okay. Just give me the point, man. Just give me the point. You guys can't even come up with answers. (laughs) Oh, no, we've got our answers. I'm going to go with the 2019 <laughs> Spikeball Championship because only one of these, of all the 12 hours or whatever programming, only one of these has a chance to go actual mainstream and become something that is part of the Olympics or something that has an actual league and something that has like a national TV deal, and that would be Spikeball, a combination of like volleyball and ping pong and all kinds of amazing sports all in one. Spikeball. Spikeball in the Olympics. I like, Wait for it. You know, I like the spike ball. I like the cornhole. I really do. But I believe it was the second one. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the World Axe Throwing League at 2 a.m. Do you know why they put that at 2 in the morning? In case Be- someone dies. Because someone could die. And that's exactly why you need to stay up to watch the World Axe Throwing League, because there could be death. 15 seconds. Well done. Uh, sorry, boys. Rami's winning this one. There's too many drops. There we go. I'm going to have to pull. There we go. So, All right. Rami, you still have a chance. Now i got to bring this last one home. Wow, you still have a chance to here. win. Right, Jeb with a point. Through. Rami with a point. This is the final question. We have like four minutes left in the show here, by the way. So, so make it quick. Gotcha. What's your most fake-sounding story that's actually true? Okay. I don't remember the exact year, but me and a buddy of mine went to a Bulls playoff game. Hold at, on. Can I pause, Rami, real quick? Sure. I feel like we should almost each give our sentence, and then you get to decide who tells the story. Okay. All right. I want to hear Rami's story, too, though. <laughs> I can do that. You guys have a one, like one sentence that describes... I can do that. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Went to a Bulls playoff game at the old Chicago Stadium with a friend of mine. Finagled our way into the locker room afterwards. Got autographs. Went into the player parking lot. Saw inside one of the limousines where there was a surprise. <laughs> okay. Love it. Judd? Hold on a second here. <laughs> now, Rami's was like eight sentences. Can you do yours in no, one? No, that was one sentence. That was one sentence. A lot of commas. There was a semicolon in there somewhere. A <laughs> couple of dashes. I don't think the editor would like that one too much. Phil, you want to go next? Sure. <laughs> I was caught in the middle of what turned out to be a gunfight at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas in 2009. Okay, I can't compete with that. <laughs> Rami sounds good. <laughs> Phil's I can't compete with. Okay, wow. This is a tough decision because whoever I choose here is going to win the point. Gun I mean, you'll hear, you'll hear both stories okay. regardless. Gunfight or what's in the back of the limousine. I'm more intrigued by what's in the back of the limousine. There but we I also go. I want to hear the gunfight. So Rami, so Rami, Rami gets today. the win. Wow. Nice. Call the shot. Call the shot. <laughs> Look at Deep. 
You gone? Oh, amazing. Outstanding. All right. We each have 60 seconds to tell our stories. Go ahead, Okay, Ryan. so a buddy of mine, uh, he was very small, like the smallest kid in the class, and he had some kind of disorder that, like, it affected his height, right? So he made this collage of Bulls players, Michael Jordan and the whole crew. He brought it with him. We managed to hide, like, under a stairwell while they were clearing the crowd out. We got a security guard. We told him that my friend, who in this story was my brother, had some sort of disorder and had promised his class that he'd get this poster he made signed by the Bulls. (laughs) So they let us into the locker room. Horace Grant was like, yeah, I'll sign your autograph. Just I got to go out to my car real quick. Come out to the parking lot. We see in the back of Horace Grant's limousine. He had the door open three of the Chicago lovables, the the Bulls cheerleaders at the time sitting in the back waiting for Horace Grant. Good for Horace, by the way. Were his were his rec specs all fogged up when he came back out of the car? Okay, gunfight. All right, gunfight. So, so I used to I used to make a living in the poker industry long ago in the uh, 2009 10 range, and so I was out with a couple friends doing some work, but also taking in the festivities of Las Vegas. And so there was some kind of a mixed martial arts or boxing bout happening at Mandalay Bay that night, and uh, we were just looking to get up to the foundation room, which is this room that it's this amazing like bar and club area that overlooks the skyline of of the Strip in Las Vegas. So. We're standing by the elevator corridor, and all of a sudden, the two groups, like the posses from these two mixed martial artists or fighters, start getting into a verbal altercation. And we're kind of trapped in this little corridor area. And we're like, oh, this is amazing. These guys are like, this is like spilling out into the like casino <laughs> area. And then all of a sudden, these guys start taking glasses and shot glasses from what looked to be like some kind of a souvenir area. And they were throwing these pint glasses and shot glasses back and forth oh at each God. other. Like glass breaking off the walls, like right around us. And so we're like ducking for it's cover. Like a movie. We finally, we finally sneak out the side and sprint down the casino area just to get out of the way. And we circle back like 20 minutes later and police had overtaken the whole area. And there were shots. Like two people got shot outside Mandalay Bay. And every black SUV in the entire city was being pulled over throughout the rest of the night as we were kind of bumming around. So uh, the way you teased it, I thought you were going to say you were there the night Tupac got killed. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's for next edition of Cram Session. All right. We got to run. That's Mackie and Jub with Rami. You can find us on demand on Score North and the Score North app. And just a real quick mention before we get to our market update. By the way, Cram Session powered by Josh Arnold every single Tuesday. Uh, We have also partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities of the Upper Midwest, and they need your donations. Ronald McDonald House provides food, shelter, lodging, and a wide array of support services to families and seriously ill or injured children at four Twin Cities locations. And uh, they are they are very much still taking donations, and they are very much in need of donations during this coronavirus period. Um, and so despite having to pause their volunteer program, Ronald McDonald House is continuing to serve meals and provide essentials to families with hospitalized kids in Minneapolis locations. Go to scorenorth.com, keyword donate. scorenorth.com, keyword donate. One lucky donor will receive a signed Luis Arise jersey. That's right, Rami. A signed Luis Arise jersey. scorenorth.com, keyword donate. Let's help the Ronald McDonald House, Judd Zolgad. Time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct at 952-925-5608 or listening to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. The burgers are bigger and better at Burger King. 
and you could even get an impossible uh, Whopper at Burger King. And not only that, you can get a very nice yield at Burger King, as Burger King's uh, parent restaurant brands has sold off along with the entire restaurant group, although it bounced pretty strongly today as did the rest of the restaurant group and the rest of the stock market. The stock market uh, measured by the Dow Jones recording its biggest ever point gain of 2,100 points, closing back over 20,000 to 20,700. This was a percentage gain of 11.26%, which is the best percent gain of the Dow since 1933, a lot of the excitement uh, with the Dow and the rest of the market had to do with the potential of a stimulus program coming from Congress. Congress has yet to pass this bill, but the excitement was there, plus the president has been talking about getting the country um, back to work uh, by Easter. Well, we'll see about both the stimulus and getting the country back to, back to work by Easter as, that, uh, as they happen. Nonetheless, the market did bounce off or maybe has bounced off a bottom, at least according to many of the Charts that we follow, uh, many charts of many individual companies look ugly, signifying probably the fastest uh, sell-off uh, ever as the market went from a bull market to a bear market in under uh, two weeks. And we've had a little bit of a bounce on as many market technicians, those are the people that check all the squiggles in the market, or want to say, uh, with a pretty strong uh, bounce back as we've had today, do not, um, do not think that this is going to be a straight up. Uh, do be prepared for a little bit of an up, then a retracement and back down before the market starts moving up. Again, so do be prepared. Keep some money in cash. Uh, should that should that um, should that happen? Because over the next uh, week or so, there probably will be some more negative news that will impact the market from this coronavirus, or if the stimulus bill does not pass. But the but the effects of this stimulus are going to be positive for a lot of industries, uh, particularly uh, related to the aerospace industry, which the aerospace industry. But going back to Burger King, burgers are better at restaurant brands, and many companies like restaurant brands have very nice yields that you can 
used to eat on until the market returns. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.